Welcome to this episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the kind sponsorship from OwnerRes, providing a powerful and flexible system for managing vacation rental properties. OwnerRes provides booking and maintenance management, payment scheduling and collection, as well as insightful reporting. OwnerRes will provide you with a long-term booking foundation that is scalable for your vacation rental business while fully managing your channel listings, but still focusing on your brand, your website, and your way of doing things. Listen in to the mid-episode break where you will hear more about this internationally recognized leader in vacation rental software. For more information about OwnerRes, click the link in the description of this episode on your smart device. Let's get started. Here is your host, Heather Bayer. Today I am doing the part two of my little podcast series about data and machine learning and metrics. Um, started part one with Evan Dolgau a few weeks ago, and today I'm being joined by Evan once again, as well as Braden Flaherty from Adaptive.com. With machine learning so much in the public domain now, this is a really interesting conversation, so don't miss it. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I'm super delighted to be back with you once again from the sunny shores of Gulf Shores, Alabama, which is sunny and beautiful and very, very lovely. I'm not going to say any more than that because I know I do have some listeners from Canada who probably don't like it every time I rub their noses in it that I'm down here in the sunshine while they're sitting up there in the cold and the snow. However, that is what it is. So today I'm so excited to be talking to Evan Dolgau again, and he is bringing along Braden Flaherty from Adaptive to talk a little bit more about what we started with in part one of this short series on data and machine learning and metrics. It flummoxes me actually because I never thought I would be really as interested in all this as I am, but I recently discovered ChatGPT. And for those of you, if you haven't gone into OpenAI and asked ChatGPT a question, you need to do it. Make sure you listen to this first before you jump on over there. But it is fascinating. I, I wrote a newsletter the week ago or two weeks ago, and at the beginning of the newsletter was a story. I, I always like to do a story, something that's that's happened in the vacation rental world or something metaphorical that, that I've picked up after experiencing something in my day-to-day business down here. But I wanted in that newsletter to, to deliver something I'd got from artificial intelligence. And all I did was feed in tell me a story about an alligator and short-term rental. So 
If you didn't get to read that newsletter, if you don't subscribe to my newsletter, which you should, because it's going to be becoming very upgraded very shortly. But if you don't, I'm including that story that was delivered to me by artificial intelligence within 10 seconds of me asking the question. I'm going to include that in the show notes. So make sure you go there and take a look. I I was blown away. And then, of course, from then... I went into all sorts of things like, you know, write me a listing for a cottage rental in such and such a lake in Ontario and pretty much blown away by what it came back uh, for that. My husband asked it to write an essay on the future of the Royal Air Force, which it did very concisely. So it's really interesting in, you know, where this is all going because I followed that up. I followed up ChatGPT by finding something called Tome that Evan Dolgau shared with me. It's something we're going to be talking about in this conversation, and that's using uh, artificial intelligence to write pitches and presentations and other types of illustrative documents that you could add in pictures and then put in a few phrases and it will give you all the bullet points. You've got to try that one too. Anyway, I'm not going to explain this anymore. I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going to turn this over to the people who do this for a living. And this is Evan Dolgo and Braden Flaherty from Adaptive.com. So listen in. Okay, so I'm super excited to have with me today again, Evan Dolgau from Adaptive. And also coming along today is Braden Flaherty from Adaptive as well. So good day, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me. Evan, it was such great fun talking to you last time. And I said then I needed to do a second go because it was so interesting. I did say in the introduction that I never thought I would find myself as fascinated with machine learning and artificial intelligence as I am. And I've just gone right into it and reading as much as I possibly can about it now. So I'm thinking if I'm that interested, then other people have got to be interested (laughs) as well. So thanks for joining me again. Evan, can you give us a little bit of a a brief recap on your background? And then we'll, uh, we'll ask Braden to introduce himself as well. Sure, Heather. Absolutely. And thanks for having us. I really enjoyed it last time. A lot of people reached out and said the same thing. I didn't realize that data and technology could be that fun. So I'm with you. Uh, I'm Evan Dalgo. I'm head of hospitality at Adaptive. My background's in real estate development, sustainable real estate development and technology, as well as hospitality. And I'm out here bridging the gap. Uh, Like you said, uh, AI is there front and center. Technology is there front and center. And that's because it's now accessible. And uh, Thankfully for for the position I'm in, I get to bridge that gap and allow every average day person to see the power behind using a sophisticated technology. That's great, Braden. You this is you're at Adaptive now. You haven't always been there. You were front and center at another very well known company for a while. I was. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. But yeah, I began my hospitality career. Uh, a long time ago, working as a bellman at a high-end hotel in Aspen. For the last 15 years, though, I've been in hospitality technology, various roles over at Blue Tent. Uh, Most recently, I was the chief product officer there. And then for the last four years or so, I've been with their parent organization, Inhabit IQ, and left there to join Adaptive just about three months ago. Well, it's great to have you on here as well. As I'm sure Evan's told you, we had a, a really great 
discussion about data and stuff, as I said, that I never thought I'd find so interesting. So I'm super excited to have you on today because now we're going to go sort of dive a little bit deeper into into some really practical stuff on what people can do with their websites and how to make them more effective, basically. But I really want to kick off with talking about what seems to be on everybody's radar now, and that is OpenAI, ChatGPT. I'd like you to, one of you, to explain that in a little bit, a bit more detail to anybody that might have had their head under a rock for the last six weeks and has not heard about it. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if uh, I, my news feeds and social feeds are just full of this, and it's probably because I work for an artificial intelligence company, but I think it's it's just seeped into the popular culture, especially over the last few months here. I think the OpenAI chat release has been eye-opening. Before then, we saw a lot of really exciting things start to break through into popular culture. And that's a lot of the maybe more artistic things coming out of programs like TensorFlow. And all these technologies fall under what we call a generative AI. And I think that's really caught people's attention because it's really tangible. We can understand it. It's output that we can relate to as humans. These are things that we're used to spending time on. These aren't things that are happening in the back end of a computer system. They're, they're artistic or they're communicative. And so they're easy to relate to. And we can see all of a sudden something that went from being this really academic niche technology to being really relatable with practical applications that, you know, you can see right in front of you. Uh, certainly, you know, ChatGPT3 and, and OpenAI's chat are really high on that list. When GPT4 comes out this year, a lot of people anticipate that that's going to be even an order of magnitude more powerful and more impressive. So um, yeah, absolutely exciting. And I, I love it because it just calls more attention to what we're doing. But certainly the, the technology we use is a little bit different than ChatGPT, but there's a lot of overlap there too. Okay. Yeah. Evan, you sent me to another one called Tome. Just describe that as well. Yeah. So what we're going to see going forward is the accessibility to use AI whether it's image generation, whether it's content, copywriting, you name it, there's enough power behind the AI that we have now to essentially the output to essentially make the output uh, as if there were a hundred humans behind the computer executing the task that you've given them. So Tome, for example, is you write a prompt. Let's say we wanted to talk about AI on the Vacation Rental Success podcast. We would write that into Tome. And then it would generate an entire deck with images and content tailored to exactly what I'm talking about, even though it's never even seen it. But the point of Tome and ChatGPT and, and how I find it interesting is that in 2023, we are now at this transformative point where AI is accessible. For the last 20 years, it's only been accessible to big technology like Google, Facebook, Amazon, only the ones that can afford it with billions of dollars of R&D. But now it's available to the average person so that's what's going to be really interesting about this year going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, I, we mentioned this when we were talking at the outset that this is not something that's going to go away. This is with us forever and it can only become more sophisticated. And, you know, I, I tried to explain it to my sister, in fact, who's somewhat older than I am. And, and she, she said, I just can't take in, take this in. So, I mean, there's, there's a generation that probably is not going to be able to manage this or cope with this as much as, as my grandkids who are coming on you know, seven, 10, 11 now, it will be a part of their lives. 
And, and I think beyond just generations, we're talking about, you know, industries and businesses and pillars of society may have trouble coping with some of these changes. It's it's literally that scope of an impact where you could potentially put it on par with something like a the dawn of the information age or even an industrial revolution where this technology is going to change how humans act in their day-to-day life from this point onward. Um, you know, we, we were just talking about the New York City school system outlawing GPT and, and uh, OpenAI's chat both in school and for any take-home assignments. And and that sort of resistance is probably not going to be able to hold itself up, up over the long term. So how do we adapt to uh, making this a tool that we can use to make ourselves more productive and, and make society better? If, if mm-hmm. I can add to that, I would, I would say that it's already been adopted and we don't even realize it. And that's been the the, sophistic, the level of sophistication that big tech has been at, where they've essentially been rolling out AI for the last several years. And we haven't even realized it to the point that it's now become an expectation when we're on the internet. And a, an example I gave in the last podcast was Amazon. We all use it. We're all addicted to it. They have such an incredible experience. Same with social media. Both of those platforms, they serve us exactly what we want to see because for the last several years, they've been learning about what we click on, what we buy, what are our behaviors. And then that feedback goes back to the engine so that way it can learn and improve the recommendations. And now Amazon and social media understands us better than we know ourselves. So I would say that um, it's already being adopted and we don't even realize it. Now it's just the expectation. The bar has been set. Yeah, I and I I know that. I'm I did an Amazon order this morning and ordered three things I didn't know I needed until Amazon <laughs> told me I needed them. <laughs> okay, right, I want to to talk more about this, you know, practical application of all this in our websites. And you know, Evan, you were at the the Book Direct Summit in Miami. So there were a lot of owners and managers there who are so interested in in direct booking and coming away from leaving it to the OTAs to bring them their business because it's not going to be that easy anymore. So, you know, they're they're looking at setting up their own very first direct book sites. And I've had this question from them, you know, what will it, will they work? How do we get this new website to work. So I'm sort of throwing that one open to you just to to give a sort of broad overview of what makes a new website successful. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we all know it doesn't happen overnight, but yeah. what should they be looking at when they start out? Yeah. So I've gone on stage in several countries and states, and I've been on several podcasts trying to lay out what is what goes into a great direct booking website. But my, my partner here, Braden, is a humble guy. He's seen thousands of websites as chief product officer at Blue Tent. So I think that this will be more valuable coming from him. So Braden, tell us, what do you think a, a beginner a beginner direct booking site should look like? Well, I, I think the first thing is that there's no need to be intimidated by it. Um, there are tools and software and agencies these days that have made building or just purchasing a direct booking website uh, easier than it's ever been. So if you're a fledgling brand new member to the vacation rental community, maybe just marketing your own property or you're a new startup uh, vacation rental manager, there is no reason not to pursue your own direct booking channel. It's never too early to get started on that. Start building your own kind of own channel, uh, own the guest relationships that come through that. And so I think number one is don't be intimidated to get started. This can be very easy. In terms of what works well, 
we can borrow a lot from e-commerce. Uh, ultimately, this is not drastically different from any other transaction we make online. People are going to go through a research phase. They're going to be making purchasing decisions. And we want to just empathize with the information they need to complete that decision-making process and reduce any friction for them making that purchase. And so high-level items, things that I think for any experienced property manager are table stakes at this point, um, high-quality images, right? Like, let's make sure you're not limited on the number of photos you can add. I probably don't need to waste any more ink on using high-quality photos. If you're not in at this point, you might be in trouble. But let's start with high-quality images. I think the other big part here, we're seeing almost a standardization of booking processes. You know, if you if you look at a typical search result set for uh, vacation rentals, and then that booking flow of a, a search result to a property detail page to a checkout process, more and more that's becoming standardized. And so if you're working with any, you know, established provider, that, that again is kind of table stakes. So what are you looking for to take it to the next step? I think the most important piece and where individual property managers can leverage their competitive advantage, which is their localization, is making sure that you have the ability to manage content at will on that site. You need the ability to Mm -hmm. keep up with events, with recommendations, with highly specific local, uh, you know, from a local's perspective, information that's going to help customers. And that's going to establish you as an expert. That's going to get you traffic from organic sources like Google, um, because as people are in that research phase, the advantage an individual property manager has over a multinational brand is you can go really deep on your local area. And even with the emergence of automated text generation tools and GPT-3, where they could potentially do that, they're not going to be able to keep up with current events, recent events, and just having a real you know, human opinion on these things and understanding what your niche is and who your guests are in catering that content to them. You're serving a more specific audience more likely than somebody like a booking.com or an Airbnb will be. So lean into that, understand your audience, make sure that your website supports content that you can speak directly to their, their concerns. So I think that's maybe the most important thing. And then from there, you know, site performance, make sure we're uploading optimized images, make sure things are fast, that they work well on mobile. Again, more and more of the, the major providers in the space have largely solved this for you. So if you're working with any you know, established, reputable brand, um, you should expect you know, a reasonably fast site. You should expect mobile friendliness. A secure booking process is extremely important. And so you know, put yourself in the guest shoes and walk through that process. Is there anything confusing? And make this easy and reduce friction. Big buy now buttons never hurt. You, know? you, can't, you can't make things too <laughs> obvious. Yeah, I love what you said just there about, you know, get in the guest shoes and, you know, imagine if you're a guest and walk through what you like. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that my own company, we we revamped our website and probably I think it was, it must have been, must have been 2020. So it wasn't that long ago because we did it in the middle of the pandemic, maybe 2019. I don't know, but I, I, I do remember the research that went into creating that website. I mean, we worked with one of the top website design companies in the vacation rental space. And I remember my office at the, at the time, the wall was just covered in post-it notes. And I had the big post-it notes at the top, which were the main navigation, and then all the post-it notes that came down from it to, to create the pages off the main navigation. And that I, I can't remember who who suggested that to me. I might have just found it online, but it was it was it was a terrific, certainly a terrific way for me to do it. 
but it's certainly in in the conversations that we had with the web designer and the web development people was that that research was so important. Find the sites that you like and that you can navigate through as a guest, you know, putting yourself in those guest shoes. So that, that that's the way I did it. And I'm, I'm guessing that's probably, you know, one of the things I did right. Yeah. Information architecture is a step that's super easy to gloss over. It's like, if we've got that, you, you again, you have to make this stuff easy to find. I think there's a, another aspect of that though, that's changing a little bit. And that's the improvement of search in general on most websites. And that's something that I would specifically look for if I was shopping for a website in 2023 here is a platform that has a very intelligent search functionality and not just a property search or a listing search, but something that allows you to search through that entire site. We're seeing great improvements there that are partially driven by AI and just better indexing technology, but that can alleviate some of the challenges and finding you know content that's deep in your site. But there's another benefit from this to the site manager, and that's great intelligence about your guests. What are they looking for? And I think that if, if you do have a site search installed on your site, that is a tool as much for you as a manager as it is for your guests, because you can go in and analyze what folks are looking for, making sure that you have content that's tailored to answer those questions. If you see themes coming up, you can build a content strategy about that and get ahead of those guest concerns, make that easier to find. You're going to see improvement in finding new keywords that you're going to rank for. You're going to find guests are going to be able to find content more easily on your site. You become more of a trusted resource again. So highly recommend something with a refined search tool that allows you to actually see what keywords and how people are interacting with that so you can take action on it. Yeah, real quickly, if I could just add and sort of sum up what Braden was uh, alluding to when he was talking about what goes into a quality website. Bottom line, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's do exactly what the OTAs are doing. They're the highest converting sites. They're advanced e-commerce companies. Go understand how their websites work. You're going to see they're not going to have large text box on their homepage because no one reads no one reads anymore. Everyone is just used to clicking. And the more you click, the more you research, the more you learn, and eventually you press buy. So uh, that would be my piece of advice is let's not reinvent the wheel. Have as many things to click with great images, as Braden said, and the guests will naturally find their way to the end zone. That's a place I've seen a lot of, especially companies that pride themselves on being technology forward, make some missteps where they'll try to get a little bit cute or unique for the sake of unique when they go through their their search and book process. And I think that you know humans are, are beings that recognize patterns and work off pattern recognition. And a lot of times we take action on almost autopilot. And so if you're going to break from that traditional search interface, you really need to have a good reason to do it, or you're just going to frustrate your users. And I think that that's not a place to differentiate yourself without good reason. Mm -hmm. Very good. So just on a very practical level, when we're building a website, I mean, I mean, used to, I remember doing a podcast probably about eight or nine years ago and talking to somebody about the, the, the 12 essential pages you must have on your website. Do we do that anymore? Do we say you must have, I mean, we know that we have listing, listing pages, must you have an about us page? You have the rates page, availability, et cetera. Are there any other, is, is that the way to do it still? I think that I'm a, I step away a little bit from like, you must have these items in your, in your, as pages in your site, but there are definitely some key pieces of content you want to check off. Uh, certainly if you're an independent vacation rental manager, property manager, or homeowner, an about us page is a great way to bring your personality and your team's 
personality to the the forefront of your brand. So I certainly look for that when I'm booking, uh, especially if I'm booking direct. I want to know that the company I'm looking for is reputable. I want to know who these folks are. Is this just a a reskinned national chain or is this somebody who's actually local and on the ground? So I think that can be a real advantage. And I think that gets into a broader category that we need to pay attention to, and that's trust signals and social proof. And whether you do that through an About Us page or other mechanisms, that's a really important aspect when you're building a website. And so there's a lot of ways you can convey trust, certainly about us and put your name to it. Um, you know, that that's step one or, or a possible step. But, you know, implementing professional design, let's make sure your website actually looks like it was built by a professional and represents your brand An intuitive UX. Uh, as we talked about content that's been recently updated. These are all ways uh, oh, doesn't even matter what kind of content. These can be, you know, photos in a gallery. These can be blog posts. These can be events. But if you communicate to the guests just through time-stamped content that you are actively managing the site, that can convey trust. Then, of course, testimonials, reviews, all of these things engender trust and help that customer who's probably weighing against booking with you directly with a national competitor like, let's say, Airbnb, who has enormous amounts of brand equity and trust. And so anything you can do to build that up is going to be a benefit. Other pages and other types of content that are super important, you know, social proof, again, testimonials and reviews. User-generated content is great. I don't know if it's a, a necessity if it's early on, but it is something that's really effective in convincing folks uh, making a purchasing decision that they're making a good one. If they can, you know, have somebody have either, you know, influencers or folks and related to them in their social networks who have generated content and they see on that site. If you can relate to happy customers, you put yourself in their shoes, you're more likely to complete that purchase because you see yourself in that happy person. So I think that's a, a really important part of it. I love seeing that on, you know, homepage hero images. A lot of times mm -hmm. we get these beautiful professional shots of a property or of an area. But I think even better is if we can put a human aspect to that and show people enjoying an experience and let me relate to that experience and draw me into the site through that rather than just saying, you know, you have a nice portfolio of homes. Yeah, that is great information. And I am going to come back in a few moments and I want to talk about metrics and, you know, it's okay having a great website, but how do we know if it's working? Before that, I'm going to take a short break and we're going to talk to Paul Waltschmidt of Onores and ask him another question about the product. And this time we're going to be talking about support. Well, welcome back, Paul. The quality of support is a hot topic for owners and managers. What stands you apart from the competition when it comes to resolving customer issues? Yeah, it's a great question, and, and I'm glad you asked it because support is something we obviously take very, very seriously. Uh, it's something that we kind of broadcast everywhere we go, uh, the quality of our support. And I do think there are a couple of things we do differently. First, everyone in the entire company from people who are in onboarding and, and traditional support, all the way to engineers, testers are involved in support, including Chris and I, including uh, middle managers, our team leads. Everyone touches some aspect of support every week. Their team members do as well, but they also lead by example. So Chris and I and, and others here that are in leadership, we're part of training, we're part of support on the phone. We talk to customers every week. These are not through other people in the company. We directly talk to them. Uh, we're involved in webinars, of course, and go to conferences and things like that. But 
We really try from top to bottom, side to side, make sure that support is something every person touches and that everyone here follows the same playbook when it comes to making a connection and discussing the humility and the empathy that we bring to those conversations. And there are other aspects as well, but I, I believe that, you know, really kind of building it into the company DNA from one end to the other, and like I said, top to bottom as well, really shows both our customers and our internal team how much we value support. Okay, thank you for that, Paul. So we're back now with Evan Dolgau and Braden Flaherty from uh, Adaptive. And we've been talking about webs. Well, we've been talking about uh, machine learning. We've been talking about websites and how we can create great websites that will be successful. Now, I want to move on and talk about metrics and using metrics to understand how what we are doing is, well, how, whether it's working, um, is it working effectively? And, you know, what, what can those metrics tell us? So, over to you, what metrics are actually important? And I'm assuming that everybody that is listening to this is using Google Analytics, because if you're not, you should be. So that I, 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 Evan talked about this last time. We talked about uh, the Google GA Academy. Not sure what they're calling it now, but uh, it's a free course. You can go and do that course and, and learn the basics of, of Google Analytics. So why is this so important? Yeah, you, you can't improve what you don't measure, right? And so I think that there's not much more important than having some steady set of metrics you're revisiting on a regular basis. A lot of what I want to talk about today is going to be in the context of GA4. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, Google Analytics is pretty ubiquitous. But I think the, the first thing I would say on this front is if you haven't yet migrated to GA4, the new version, you're a little bit behind. And it's time to get going on that. Um, the current version of Google Analytics, uh, Universal Analytics, is going to be deprecated or end of life as of, I believe, June or July of next year. And the key part of that is the real deadline then to make those metrics valuable was actually this past uh, summer. Because when that moves over, you risk losing all of your year-over-year comparisons. So if you've not yet migrated to GA4, uh, it's definitely time. And so a lot of the, the terms and reports that I'm going to uh, kind of run through today are in the context of GA4. Some of them have analogs and universal analytics, but it's too late to be educating anybody on UA anyway. It's time to move to GA4. And so I think, you know, like any website, probably the first top level metric you want to be aware of is your traffic. And in GA4, this has actually changed a little bit from universal analytics. The new primary user metric is active users. And that's an improvement over how they used to measure things. It used to just be total users who come in, and then you could look at your bounce rate and remove folks who had come to your site and not engaged with anything and immediately left. And from and you could calculate your actual active users. G4 actually does that for you in that all of their reports are centered on active users. If somebody comes to the site and bounces, then they're not they're not being considered in your overall conversion metrics. And they've actually changed how they measure bounces. So another thing to be aware of as we're looking at metrics, if you are moving from universal analytics to GA4, you're going to see some differences in some of those long-held KPIs that you've had. User measurement has changed, conversion measurement has changed. And so don't be surprised if you see lower user counts than you're used to when you move over. We're no longer counting a bounce if somebody stays on a page for more than 10 seconds, because it's very likely they've actually successfully completed whatever journey they were on when they came to your site. Maybe I just came there to look up your phone number. I don't need to engage with that. Um, that can be a successful conversion if I was able to find that quickly. 
And so a much better measurement of kind of top level engagement. So I would say that's the first one. And that's something you want to see growing on a year over year basis over time. That's a a great measure of just your overall uh, marketing impact, your growth in um, organic traffic, your growth in direct traffic, your growth in any of your paid traffic. So that's a starting point. Let's just understand who's using the site. Really critical though, if you have a direct booking website, that you take the time to configure e-commerce and you take the time to configure um, the purchase measurement. And what that will unlock is some really powerful things. I would say if there's one metric a property manager should be focused on when they're measuring the performance of their website, it's going to be revenue per user. And that does a couple things. That is going to measure how your success will scale as you ramp up paid marketing efforts, as you ramp up your advertising presence, you can better anticipate your return on ad spend. And that also synthesizes both your conversion rate, which is one important metric, as well as your average order value. And so that revenue per user is a great single KPI that you want to see trending up over time to reflect either growing conversion and efficiency of your website or increasing price and higher value purchases happening. And so that's that's really what we've kind of trained folks to keep an eye on as a, a single point that you can measure over time and should be constantly improving. There's some really fascinating stuff in GA though. I think something that I like, that's a good measure of, of the how you can evaluate the quality of your products and the quality of your listings is the purchase to view rate. And this is brand new in GA4. It's something that really hasn't existed before. You would have had to pull out your calculator and figure it out. But that lets you understand based on, you know, on a per capita basis for how many page views on a, a property details page, you're seeing how many of those folks turn into a converted guest. And so, you know, it might be that you've got a really flashy image that's driving a lot of traffic to a particular property, but maybe it's mispriced, maybe it's missing some key amenities, and it's just not converting, or maybe you failed to describe it really well. And so that's a great way to measure performance of individual properties within your portfolio is that purchase to view rate. And that's a brand new feature in GA4. Yeah, I'm just going back to when I, you know, when 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 I was working with my property management company, we used to have these these little sessions where we said, you know, what is wrong with this listing? Why is it not converting? We got some great pictures, we've got some great text. We just could not understand why we weren't getting the sales on that particular property. And and I have to say, we were not using Google Analytics. Uh, to do that type of analysis. But I'm guessing perhaps from what you've just said that that really wasn't available to the extent that it is now. It's at our fingertips now. Exactly. It's much more accessible now. And I think before it would be something where you might look at that seasonally uh, or you have an upset homeowner, even worse. And this allows you to spot that trend while it's occurring and not in retrospect. So that's a great one. G4 also offers average revenue per user, uh, per active user. So that's literally measuring Again, you can kind of measure how your revenue will scale as you drive more traffic to it. If you can get a revenue per user, you can look at all of your user acquisition campaigns and know pretty reliably if you start pumping uh, energy or or, or investment into those, that you're going to get a predictable return on that. And so these are things that had been available in like GA360, which was a paid platform or required a ton of manual number crunching. And now it's a dashboard you can just go in and look at in GA4. So really valuable there. Great. And can I just add that a lot of the things you just mentioned may help a manager go back to a specific home homeowner and have a difficult conversation. If you can prove that your website, your average revenue per visitor and your click-through rate, you can prove that these things are improving across the board, except for their one property, there's likely a reason. So a lot of times these conversations happen out of just gut feeling or they're reactionary. 
this may be good uh, fuel for those conversations to be more actionable and tangible with uh, using data. So another really good point of why it's useful for these managers to use Google Analytics to then bring it back to their, their homeowners. I, that's a great point. Yeah, might might be time to point, you know, that it's time to rip out the uh, the shag carpet, time to update the the furniture. We've exhausted the other resources there. Um, <laughs> boy, if I had if I had one other kind of exciting piece of news to share on the metric front, something that I see really transforming the paid advertising space for vacation rental managers over the next few years is a new feature in GA4 called predictive audiences. And this resonates with us because it's right in line with the predictive hospitality marketing that we do for personalizing websites and on the front end. And so what predictive audiences allows you to do is Google is using machine learning, very similar technology to what we employed Adaptive, to evaluate and profile visitors to your website and determine their likelihood of purchasing or returning to the site. And so you can create a segment of users right out of GA that are high intent customers. So on a weekly basis, you could go in there and say, who are my customers who are likely to purchase in the next seven to 10 days? You can segment those and you can directly export them out of GA into the Google advertising ecosystem. So that's going to go into Google ads, Google display ads, their social and display networks. And so it's a fantastic way that's actionable for everybody right now to enable that predictive audiences feature. And you can literally build out cohorts of folks who would previously have been anonymous to you because you're not getting email addresses from these folks. They're not logged in. But then this lets you identify them via a GA profile, move that migrated into the Google ads ecosystem, and then allow them to market to those folks on other channels. So it's a really powerful tool. Um, it's brand new. And I would say it, it's best suited for PMs on the larger side. It's machine learning. So it does mm -hmm. take some time. It takes significant site traffic for it to build those profiles. But if you find that that's a successful tool for you, I just have to say that that probably also means that adaptive tools could be a good fit as well, because you have statistically significant traffic, you have enough engagement for machine learning to provide some real benefit for personalizing the front end of your website. I think that's a good moment to just go back on onto the machine learning and just to clarify that, that, that you have to have enough information. You know, there has to be enough information to allow it to make those decisions on, on what it what it's going to give back to you. That sounds really clumsy, probably because I'm not really understanding and I'd like you to explain. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it's absolutely true. Uh, machine learning works on volume. It's called big data for a reason. It needs a significant amount of data for this to work. There's not a single number we can give. And the nice thing is that number is coming down. You know, Our mission at Adaptive is to democratize uh, this technology and make it available to more and more folks. So as the technology improves and processing costs come down, it's going to become more accessible to the smaller and mid-sized manager and, and business owner. But for the time being, say we, we like to see for our technology, at least 5,000 monthly visitors for our recommendation software. Uh, you need significant inventory for us to make those recommendations valuable because if you've got 10 properties, it's not that hard for a person to understand which of those are a fit and evaluate them individually. So we like to see 100 plus, plus properties. But I also think it's important to call out that the machine learning and artificial intelligence is a means to an end. Because mm. you don't have that technology or access to that technology today doesn't mean you can't do the personalization that we get out of that. The ML is not the value here. It's the personalization that we can do with it. And so I would say if there's a takeaway for rental managers today, 
don't wait for your ability to access artificial intelligence and machine learning. Focus on how you can use the tools you have to personalize the experience, because that's where you're getting the increased conversion value. That's where you're getting more engagement from your guests. That's where you have a greater ability to, to upsell and increase cart value. So, and there is a lot of personalization we can do without heavy technology. Mm-hmm. Any web developer today can understand where a guest came from immediately before when they came to your site. And so if somebody was referred from, let's say, Instagram, you could serve them a message, welcoming them from that platform, um, directing them to, if you have you know, influencers that you've engaged with, you can direct them to that content on your site. You could look at, you know, if you know that they're coming in from a mobile device, you could maybe offer them a slight incentive to book immediately on their mobile device, and you don't have to serve that to your desktop guests. Those are things you don't need artificial intelligence to do. If a, cost, if a customer is a, a repeat visitor to your site, so not a repeat guest, not somebody in your um, database, but somebody who's clearly in the research phase of their buyer's journey, I think the average guest visits something like 15 or 17 websites multiple times before they complete a purchase. So there's a lot of this bouncing around. If you're recognizing a guest has been to your site before, which you can do very easily today with, with what's called a cookie, and you can serve them again when they land on the site, hey, welcome back. We noticed you're returning. Here's 50 bucks off your stay if you book in the next 48 hours. Mm. Give them a discount code and help convert that. That level of personalization has an enormous impact and is near trivial to implement. And then if you've done those those basic levels of personalization and you're seeing that return, then it's time maybe to look at how you can engage with more advanced tools and, and leverage things like machine learning and artificial intelligence. But you can start the process without having to bring in the big guns. If I could... I just, uh, I'll go on, Evan. I was, was going to say just a quick story that Braden and I experienced uh, the other week. So shoulder season comes around and, or let's say even super busy season. And there's a few homes that need that boost, but you don't want to send those few homes to everyone in your, in your, in your directory. It's too many. And everyone wants to see the same homes. So for each home, how do you find the correct audience that wants that specific property and then send that specific audience, that property, maybe with a deal or a discount or some sort. That's how you start to fill in the voids in your booking history. And you start to use the predictive audiences to uh, just, Boost your shoulder season. Figure out how to how to amp up your bookings and and I guess some of the the low hanging fruit that you that you didn't have the opportunity to get to before. So to do all this, th- this does require somebody working on your site that knows what they're doing. A web developer. This is not your basic WordPress site that somebody's just put together themselves. This is perhaps for some it's it's beyond them. And I think it goes back to this question as to you know when you first start to build your website. How much is it worth going to a, you know, spending more money on good web development than going the low cost route of doing it yourself and doing a GoDaddy site or something similar? I I think there's maybe a middle ground there for a lot of property managers. I think that largely this day and age, it's likely inappropriate if you are not an experienced web developer if you don't understand e-commerce if you don't understand buyer's journeys i would really encourage you to shy away from doing this yourself unless you're you know really strapped it's early on in your in your organizational development something is better than nothing certainly but a, a hobbyist level website is going to come across as unprofessional um, and that's just mm-hmm. the way it is tools are getting better and if you don't need to take online transactions if it's brochure where Yes, go go with GoGaddy, go with a Wix or something like that. But if you expect people to give you their credit card or access to their bank account, 
you need to convey a minimum of professionalism. That's going to be integrated online booking. That needs to be professional modern design. You need to have those trust signals through a, a checkout process that's intuitive. And so if you intend to make it a serious channel for bookings, you need to be going with a professional. Um, that doesn't mean you need to spend a lot on a custom website necessarily. I think one nugget of learning from my time at Blue Tent was that there's frankly sometimes an inverse relationship with how much people invest in customizing their website with how well it performs. Because a basic templated vacation on a website is built to do one thing really well, and that's turn guests to your website into guests on property. And as you invest in widgets and social feeds and real estate and ancillary features that are not about that booking process, all you're doing is hurting your conversion rate in most cases. And so unless you have a really unique business model that demands custom, I think there's a lot of off-the-shelf template style or configurable websites out in the market. But to your point, you do want to work with a company that has an ongoing commitment to service because this is not a static space. A website today is going to age faster than websites have ever aged. Technology is changing very quickly. And so make sure whether it's on a subscription model or an upfront model when you're buying a website, you understand your access to improve that site over time. Um, make sure that you have a service plan. Make sure that it's not a month's long queue to get in if you need to make a minor change. I think that's where there's some real differentiation in the market is not in that initial product, but how they support it over time. That's such a great point. Uh, you know, I know that from experience. Uh, three times we went through the, the web design experience and support, you know, doing it and planning it and, you know, ultimately putting it all together with a great experience, but having that support afterwards was the best. Yeah. It's going to be puppies and green grass early on. You're going to get told what you want to hear. They can build anything. But what happens, you know, when it's December 20th and you need to get a message out on the site urgently, you know, let's make sure that they can meet that. Um, those, those are the things you need to be probing for as you're evaluating vendors. Gosh, thank you so much, both of you, for this you know, great information, great discussion. I hope everybody's come away from this feeling really, really motivated, at least to look at GA4, the Google Analytics, and go to school, go learn something. And I am sure that if you've got any questions, that Evan and Braden would be happy to answer them. So, the adaptive web address will be at the end of the show notes. Hopefully I can, I can put a, a direct link into both Eb, uh, Evan and Braden as well, asking you right out right on this. <laughs> um, so if anybody, want, <laughs> anybody wants to get in, in touch with you, they can. You, you have talked a little bit about adaptive, but um, if one of you could just give us the elevator pitch, that would be brilliant just to sign off with. Braden, go for it. It's your show. <laughs> oh, nope. Nobody's better at this than Evan, but uh, yeah. So at Adaptive, we are passionate about bringing personalization to the vacation rental industry. We want to bring the personalization tools that are in place on every major commerce site, as well as every major OTA, and make those accessible to the vacation rental manager. We've got tools that will both increase cart value, increase conversion rate, and help you be more efficient with your marketing spend overall. Um, and if not even for marketing, this is hospitality. If hospitality is anything, it's understanding your guests and personalizing their experience. Whether it's when they're on property and you're greeting them by name, let's provide that similar warm, welcoming personal experience throughout the booking journey. And that's what Adaptive can help with. Wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Evan, you got anything to add? <laughs> 
Yeah, I just, the only thing I will add is that there is legitimately a sense of urgency between Google GA4 becoming the dominant platform for your web data, the regulation regarding data protection and privacy, the big tech companies just not sharing data as freely as they used to. All of those things by 2024 are going to amplify and compound uh, in, in the uh, essentially you will not be able to have the same data access that you were able to have every year prior. So taking control by expanding your direct booking website and by uh, expanding your direct booking processes, you will have that long-term autonomy. So I just want to create that sense of urgency because it is legitimately here. And uh, I want to motivate everyone to just start learning about their Google Analytics with Google Academy. Just go start diving deep, poke around, and you'll figure it out pretty quick. It's not rocket science. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me. It's been a blast. And, you know, I, I'm going to start heading back down my rabbit hole on machine learning again. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think we should all be learning something new every day. This is my learning for the year, I think. Hey, There's the never been more opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Heather, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Heather. Well, thank you so much, Evan and Braden. That was a super amount of information. I think it came across how confused I actually am. I'm, I get so excited about new stuff and quite often don't understand it for a considerable amount of time. But I think that's the same with most of us. And I know there's, there's plenty of people out there who I'm sure have the whole thing about AI and machine learning off pat, and you're really happy with it. But I also know there are a lot of people that are listening to this who really have not much of a clue about it, like me. And I hope that conversation helped you out a little bit. I was talking afterwards to Evan, who was sort of asking, you know, how how best to get this information across about predictive hospitality, you know, what it is. And I was saying that just using those types of examples that Braden was doing is probably the best way of doing it. You know, how practically we can understand how people come and use our sites and what we can do to encourage them once they're on the site to make that booking and actually send us some money. So let me know what you think. Let me know how much you understand about it. If you'd like to hear more about it, because I know the guys would, would love to spend more time talking about it. And I'm more than happy to bring them back on and do another session. So just let me know. You can email me at heather at vacationrentalformula.com. So that's it for another week. I'm heading out to enjoy a little bit of the sunshine and the sea, the Gulf of Mexico, which I'm finding particularly lovely at this time of year. And I hope that you are enjoying the weather wherever you are. So I'll look forward to being with you next week. Thank you, as ever, for listening. This episode was brought to you by OwnerRes. For more information about this internationally recognized leader in vacation rental software, click the link in the description of this episode on your smart device or head over to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash OwnerRes to find out more. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.